And the survey says. We appreciate you so much for watching. What's the 411? It's your boy Famous. And I'm known for singing Tony Buxton. And you're watching the Michael Fenton Show. Famous! <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, but Jasper County is where I'm a native of Jasper County, lived here my entire life, raised here. So everyone here usually goes to Savannah, Georgia, right across the bridge to take care of all our needs. But to answer your question, I would have said to younger me that you should be the person that you were looking to support. You know, I saw my people being treated unfairly. And some of us don't even realize how unfairly we are being treated. Because when I talk to some of us about how unfairly we are being treated, I hear myths like black on black crime, which is a myth because other groups kill each other too. But you never hear white on white crime or Asian on Asian crime. I was waiting for someone to stand up and really fight for our people. I think that's what all of us are doing, waiting for another Malcolm X or MLK. But we have to realize those days are over. We have to be the person we are looking to support. So I would have started this journey earlier, but I think it's happened at the right time. I think experience and knowledge, maturity and discipline, I think those things take time to cultivate. And I'm thinking that I'm making this move at the right time, but I would have still told younger me, never wait for another person to support, be that person and seek the support that you need. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad that you're that person today because you are definitely going at it. You're definitely going at it. The person you are, you are a very direct person as I've seen in different <laughs> interviews and where you're standing, you're an educator as well. How has your life prepared you for this moment? As a teacher, I, I've always had a strong sense of justice. You know, I probably inherited it from my mother. My mother was going to school to become a paraprofessional. Not a paraprofessional, I'm sorry, a paralegal. And then she wanted to matriculate into being a lawyer. Unfortunately, life got in the way. But the reason she wanted to become a lawyer is because she saw so many people, especially our people, going through so many injustices, not being able to afford legal representation. Sometimes, like I just said, not even knowing they needed legal representation, that they had a case. But my mother uh, had a change of plans, but I have to say I have a strong sense of justice. And I will have to say I probably get it from my mother because she always says to me, she does not support my campaign, by the way, not because she doesn't support what I'm trying to do. She just does not get involved in politics at all. She's a Jehovah's Witness, so she stays neutral. But she does have a very strong sense of justice. She knows that what I am fighting to get for our people is something we deserve and should have had a long time ago. So I think I get my strong sense of justice from her. As a teacher, I, I am that teacher that kids are probably going to be afraid to come to my class or that kids will probably be, oh man, he's here today. <laughs> I am that teacher that when kids see me coming down the hall, they get in line and they get it right. I'm also that teacher that you probably have known this from your experience. There's always that teacher who's really tough on their kids. And there are always those parents that don't appreciate that tough teacher. So they report you to the principal. They tell lies on you. And sometimes the principal takes the side of those parents because they don't want to deal with the parents. I'm that teacher who people will sometimes make reports on, but I'm also that teacher who will stand my ground. And at the end of the year, while everyone else's data might be okay and be here, 
my data is way up there. So I'm that teacher at the end of the year. I can say, apparently what I was doing was working because look at how my kids have soared. I'm that teacher that kids will see now in days in the grocery store in town. And they'll say, you know, you were the strictest teacher I've ever, ever had. But I am so thankful for you because the world is so much harder on me and you've helped me to always give my best. And when you make giving your best a habit, it's something you do naturally. So if I've always been a person who has stood up for what was right, especially when it pertains to our people, Black people, Black Americans, and have always been willing to be the unpopular person. I'd rather be the person known for doing what was right than just being a person who's popular with the people who probably don't care about doing what's right. And I feel that that's what politics has gone towards these past few decades. It's more of a popularity contest and then the person that really wants to make a difference. Uh, so let's talk about your platform, right? Uh, you have this better campaign happening, um, better deer for Black America, uh, better transportation, um, better education, uh, better plan for thriving communities. Why focus on these different avenues? Well, one, I did research on our district and I'm in South Carolina District 6, which includes rich, the counties of Richland, Calhoun, Clarendon, Sumter, Williamsburg, Bamberg, Allendale, Hampton, Charleston, Dorchester, Carleton, and Jasper. And I might be forgetting one because there's quite a few counties, but I think I named them all. And it's a majority black county, 50 to 60% black. And I did research. We've had Congressman James Clyburn as our representative for 30 years. I was seven years old when he first took office. Now, you are an educator and I'm an educator. We are both products of the corridor of shame and we both have taught in the corridor of shame. I used to hate that terminology, corridor of shame. Now I embrace it. You know why? Because it is shameful. The level of poverty in which our people live, some areas like in Hampton, for example, in Allendale, the rate of poverty for Black Americans is over 80%. The average rate of poverty in America is 11%. We're at 80% in counties like Jasper, my county, Allendale, Hampton. Okay, the rate of school failure, which I know you know this as well. We have some black boys in a lot of the schools here, over 90% are not reading or doing math from grade level. And it's not because they're not intelligent. It's because the issues that they face before they get to schools often interfere with their educational proficiency. So it is shameful, but the shame belongs to the leaders that have allowed such conditions to linger. I was born in these types of conditions, as were you, and they are still here going strong. That is unforgivable. And that is why I said we deserve better. Because after 30 years in power, Congressman James Clyburn's district, South Carolina District 6, is the sixth poorest district in the United States of America out of 435. How do you get to almost being one of the top five poorest places in the entire country. How do you bypass 428 other districts to be almost the poorest in the nation? And his district is majority black. 
And I've been doing research through the United States of America. The blacker the district, the poorer it is. And as the people who built this nation, as the people who fought for this nation, I have great, 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 great grandparents going back to the Civil War, I'm sure back to the Revolutionary War as well, even though I've been able to find any documentation that have fought for this nation, bled for this nation, we built this nation, and yet we've been nothing but terrorized by this nation. And at some point, we're still fighting the same issues that our parents were fighting, grandparents were fighting, great-grandparents were fighting, great-great-grandparents were fighting. I knew my great-great-grandparents, okay? They were alive when I was born. My great-grandparents were all living when I was born, except one. Now they all are deceased. They all died in my late 20s, early 30s, except one. My great-grandfather, who's a veteran of World War II, by the way, living in New York. We are still fighting the same issues they were fighting. I'm saying better because we as Black Americans deserve better. And when we do better, this nation will do better. Because if anyone can't see, this nation has been imploding. And we as Black Americans have been saying that for centuries. But now everyone else is seeing it. Oh, the, the passion's there. The know-how is there. Why do you think that we have yet to still overcome? Well, because this nation, my slogan, as you see here, is repair Black America to fix America. What America has been trying to do is improve America while still terrorizing Black America, neglecting Black America. It's like cutting your nose off to spite your face. You know how we say that around here. If you cut your nose off, it's going to hurt your face. You can't beautify your face while cutting your nose off. And that's what America has been trying to do. America paid reparations to Japanese Americans who were locked in internment camps for like a year or so. They got reparations in 1988. I was four years old when that happened. So this ain't no old history. This is recent history. They have paid reparations to many Native American tribes. Some of them still get direct payments. They don't pay taxes. There are so many Native American tribes that have casinos, and they get so much tax-free revenue from their casinos that every person in that tribe gets a million dollars cash in their pocket. We have been through more than the Native Americans, than the Japanese Americans, than the Holocaust survivors. The Holocaust lasted for a decade or so. Our Holocaust has lasted for centuries and we're still going to the results of it. The problem has been America has refused to do what Abraham Lincoln actually was going to do before he was assassinated. 40 acres in a mule, that comes from us, the Gullah Geechee people. We met with General Sherman in Savannah, Georgia. Every former slave of America was supposed to get 40 acres in a mule. But Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. And instead, we dealt with lynch mobs. We dealt with redlining. We had our Black Wall Streets. There was more than one of them burnt to the ground. We built those Black Wall Streets with nothing, not a penny in our pocket, some of us couldn't even read and write. And yet we were still able to build cities that had they been allowed to prosper and survive, New York City would have looked like a one street light town. They were burnt to the ground. We saw 15 million acres of our property stolen of the 60 million acres we've gotten, something that still happens today. We still deal with poison water. Black women still die 
at a higher rate just for giving birth to a child, higher than women in poorer nations like the Philippines and Mexico. Black men have the shortest lives. We're 15 to 20% of the population, but we're over 55% of the homeless. This is obvious. No group of people have done as much as we've done. While going through day-to-day terrorism, we built Black Wall Streets. We built prosperous towns. The fact that we are still living and surviving is a testament to our power. There is nothing more we can do. The the responsibility is on what the federal government has yet to do, and that is reparations. The problem with us, there are two issues. One, we don't have any leaders standing up for us. When Asian Americans were shot and murdered in that massage parlor, which was awful, you had Black leaders like Clyburn. He put a message out that day saying anti-Asian hate has to stop. He even used the hashtag, stop Asian hate. He then put forth a bill that would protect, it's called the COVID-19 hate bill. It only took Asian Americans a few days to get the federal government to do something to protect us. We have been going through hate crimes for centuries. The latest one just being in Buffalo, New York. Clyburn has yet to even mention the word black. He hasn't used the hashtag stop anti-black hate, and he hasn't put forth any legislation to protect us. So we have no leaders willing to stand up for us. But they'll send money to Ukrainians, though. Ukrainians are under attack. And what are we doing? We're sending them trillions of dollars. We're sending them weapons to protect themselves. But we won't protect black Americans who built the nation. So that's the first problem. The second problem is us. We're the second problem. And I'm not talking about that black on black crime nonsense. I'm, I get so mad when our people say that dumb stuff doesn't even exist. I am blaming us because every other group is not afraid to stand up and say to our so-called leaders, hey, you work for me. What are you going to do for me? We are the only group that lets our leaders tell us if we don't vote for them, you ain't black. We let them, we let them talk to us that way. With other groups, imagine... Uh, Michael, if I went to a group of people who are Hispanic, and Hispanic is not a race, it's an ethnicity. You got white Hispanics, black Hispanics, Native American Hispanics, whatever. But let's say I went to a group of people who were Hispanics, and I brought them a, a platter of tacos, and I started salsa dancing, and I said, now vote for me. That would be offensive, wouldn't it? It would be very offensive. Sure. Imagine I went to some group of Asian Americans and I started doing, I wore a Japanese kimono and I started doing a Kung Fu performance and eating in um, chopsticks and say, vote for me. That would be offensive. Imagine I went to a group of Native Americans and I started doing the rain dance and had the totem pole and started shooting bow and arrows and building teepees. That would be offensive. No other group will allow that type of disrespect. But we as Black Americans, we let our so-called leaders come to us, and all they do is do a little, a little hip-hop dance. They eat some fried chicken and collard greens and red rice and fried fish. We put hot sauce on it. They go to church and sing gospel songs, and then they say, that's it, vote for me. Other groups get policies. We get symbolism. They say Kentaji Jackson Brown, that was born into the Supreme Court as the first Black American justice, they say that's something that they did for us. That ain't putting food on no Black people's table. That hasn't taken one Black person off the street. Okay, okay, so let's say, and first of all, I've looked at her record. Her record 
on dealing with anti-black racism is not good. She has ruled against black people who have tried to sue companies for racism. But let's say her record was perfect. Let's say she was for us. The Supreme Court hears less than 1% of all cases. So even if she was for us, there's very little she can do for us on a day-to-day basis. That still doesn't replace policies. What policies are you doing for us? We got these people, Michael, they're doing this. And and I want to say something else real quick. Another issue, I wear the problem. When I bring this up, some of our people want to make excuses. They was like, well, we got to show up and vote. We got to vote. Black Americans have been voting more than almost any other group in the United States. We were the only group up until the Hillary Trump election that was voting more and more and more. We vote more than Hispanics. We vote more than Asian Americans. We vote more than Native Americans. And we vote more than young whites, okay? That we get the least. Now, I want to say something. If voting is the reason why we get treated so badly, then how come you got politicians right now like James Clyburn who wants to make illegal immigrants citizens? Not only do they want to make illegal immigrant citizens, they want to give them houses, jobs, education, transportation. But illegal immigrants can't vote. So if voting, if us not voting is the reason we get treated so bad, then how come the illegal immigrants are getting treated so good and they can't vote at all? You think the, the real problem is, though, you said we don't stand up, we, we do the most, but we get the least. Where does the problem stem from, though? Is that the mystery question of the century? We have so much to talk about. We have so much to laugh about. All here on Finkley. Colors. What the? Mm. Mm. Oh, God. Mm. Mm. This one. Yeah, right, Marine. So I guess we don't stand for colors, huh? I'm sorry, sorry. I, I was starving. What was you eating on anyway? Let me put you on. This that Lucy's hoopy pie. Okay. Okay, okay. Hey, but uh, before you go, Marine, what, what can I get me one of those? Oh, at all the Super Target locations, Sergeant. Okay. And where can you get your chart sheet at in the morning? On your desk. As long as we track it. Well, what do you think the, the real problem is, though? You said we don't stand up. We, we do the most, but we get the least. Where does the problem stem from, though? Is that the mystery question of the century? It's not a mystery at all, Michael. It's not a mystery at all. You see, we've been taught, we have this foolish, foolish, foolish pattern that no other group in America has because they realize it's stupid. We Black Americans are very loyal to a party. Other groups vote for policy. We vote for a party. So if there's a Republican or a Democrat, and I'm running as a Democrat, but I will say to you, Michael, I'll say to all my people, if a Republican's along, I don't care if he's white, black, blue, her, she, whatever, if they are having good policies for us, they support them. We say, oh, Democrat, I'm voting for you. We don't examine their policies. We don't ask what they're doing for us specifically, and we let them fool us. So that's the problem, Michael. Ever since the 1960s, with the Civil Rights Act, 
Black Americans have been voting for Democrats over 95%. Michael, there is no other group in America that comes even close to voting for any party at 95%. That is almost ridiculously high level of voting for the same party. So when you just give your vote away, the party gets the message, we don't gotta do nothing for you. And by the way, the civil rights legislation was good but it should have been only for us. We were the ones marching and getting lynched. Yes, there were a few white people. It wasn't most of them. It was mainly us. White women benefit more from affirmative action than any other group. White women have gotten 6 million good paying jobs from affirmative action, something that was meant for us because we were the ones being killed and kept out of getting good jobs and good education. We should have said to those so-called leaders, uh-uh, that's just for us, descendants of American slaves who went through the torture. So because we have this party loyalty, we don't get anything in return. Instead, we need to start saying, what are you going to do for us? And when the politicians try to say that rising tide lift all boats mess, when they try to say, well, I'm going to do health care, that's going to help everybody. Uh, -uh. I didn't ask about everyone. What are you going to do specifically for my people? Other groups are doing it. When Asian Americans were being attacked, during COVID, they didn't go to the leaders and said, what are you going to do to protect us and the Black people who are going through hate crimes? Did you hear that? No. Asian Americans said, what are you going to do to protect us, Asian Americans? They didn't ask about us. They didn't care about us. We got to start being selfish too. You see, we go to church and we want to bring the Lord into everything. The Lord says, think about your neighbor. Those other groups aren't thinking about their neighbors and they're getting all the wealth and all the policies. We got to start being a little selfish too. Wow, I've never heard it that way before. I've never heard it that way before. And we, and it's time. It's, it's been past time, right? It's definitely- been time, exactly. Yeah. When you tell people, and when people see that you're running against Jim Clyburn, what is the reaction? And how, what responses have you received um, from running, running against a person that's been in this role for almost 30 years? I receive a mixture of responses. The majority of them have been positive, believe it or not. And not just from the young people, from the older people too, especially the older ladies. I don't know why, but it has been. A lot of them have said he's been there too long. He's got it too comfortable. Some have said they don't see what he's done. Some of these older people, they have seen the time where black people used to own a lot of land to our land ownership shrink, or basically we own no land. We own the least amount of land out of all groups. Even people who come to this country illegally can buy up our property that we can no longer afford, put big houses on it, and we don't. And some of these older ladies tell me stories about how their land was stolen. And this was a long time ago. This is like 2000, uh, 2019, 2020. This is a long time ago. How they couldn't, it went to a tax default sale because they couldn't afford it. And they will say they don't see what he's doing to stop it. Now, for some of the older black men, not all of them, but a bit of them, they're asking, why are you running against Clyburn? And I will say to them, well, first of all, you people always say to me, our ancestors died for us to have the right to vote. That's a lie. No, they did not. They didn't die for us to have the right to vote. They died for our rights, okay? They died for me to have the right to run. 
They died for me to have the right to run for Congress. This is what I knew my great grandparents and my great great grandparents. They would they would be proud to see their great great grandson and great grandson running for office. And James Clyburn should be proud to see someone running for office. Okay, because when he ran for office, he ran against someone too. So the seat does not belong to him. The seat belongs to us. And when I ask them, I'll say to them, well, why should I not run against them? And they will usually say something like, what about Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott? And I say, what about them? They say, well, you know, it's the Republicans causing the problems, and that's where I stop them. That's what I need to talk about, Michael. These excuses we make for James Clyburn and Black leaders, okay? One, I need to make this very clear. When James Clyburn signed up to run, he knew South Carolina was a state with a lot of Republicans, okay? You don't sign up for the job and then complain about it later when you knew the challenge you was gonna face. I don't jump in the, in the ocean with a bunch of jellyfishes and then complain about getting stung. I knew what was gonna happen when I took it. Second of all, he's gotten six-figure salary for 30 years. Do you know the average income in his district for Black Americans? The average income in his district is 41,000. For a white American, is 56,000. His district's majority black. Our average income is only $28,000. He has been collecting $150,000 and now $190,000. And now he's up to $200,000 for 30 years. He's a millionaire now. So he's gotten richer, but our district has actually gotten poor because as I've already said, we have had most of our land stolen. We went from owning 16,000 acres to now just 1 million acres. He hasn't written a bit of legislation about it. Third, I want to say this here too. People want to have it both ways. They tell me how Clyburn has been so good to them. And okay, great, he's been good to you. But that ain't good enough for us because the data is the data. I'm not making up the fact that his district is the sixth poorest out of 435. I told them, prove me wrong. No one can do it. His district has the highest eviction rate in the nation, in the country. More people get put out of their apartments in our district than any other district in the United States of America. His district has the highest level of amputations. So many Black people are getting their arms and legs chopped off in hospitals here that the, that the Centers for Disease Controls are investigating it. It's up in Columbia. It's the worst healthcare community in the United States of America. His district has the most toxic water. North Charleston and Denmark, South Carolina, as you may know, both have issues with water quality. His district has some of the worst schools in the nation, some of the most impoverished counties in the nation. So I say to them, tell me why I should not run against them. And then they'll tell me all the good things he's done. And I say, wait a minute, you just, you're a hypocrite. And they'll say, what do you mean? So you wanna give him credit for the good things. Okay, I give him credit for the good things. But if he's gonna take credit for the good, how are you gonna sit there there and tell me that he can't be blamed for the bad? You can't have it both ways. You can't tell me water is wet and then say you're dry. So I get some people trying to make excuses for him, but I shut that down. And some of them just get an attitude and give me back my flyer because they don't care about us. We have to understand not all of our elders care about us. Some of them were sellouts when they were younger and some of them are sellouts now. Going back, right? Uh, you, you mentioned your stance and you mentioned your opponent's stance as well. Um, you mentioned plans and going for for the future. And one of those plans, as you mentioned earlier, is reparations. 
And we know that you as a Gullah Geechee individual, um, reparations uh, to any person of color is important. But why, why does Gullah Geechee individuals um, stand out for you when it comes to reparations? Well, I want to say that reparations is not a person of color issue. It's a uniquely Black American issue. And when I say Black American, I'm not talking about Black immigrants. I'm talking about Black Americans who are descendants of American slaves. And why? Because reparations is not a payment for racism. Reparations is simply to what I referred to earlier, the 40 acres in a mule that this nation was supposed to pay us after the Civil War. They never paid that debt but they paid reparations to other groups. Like I said, Holocaust survivors, Native Americans, Japanese Americans. They had no problems doing that. Hell, they're paying reparations right now to Ukrainians. It's only a problem when it comes to black Americans. The reason why it's important to us as Gullah Geechee people, because this is where our reparations was gonna happen. We're the first group of black, we're the first group of people to get it. Special Field Order 15, which was done by Abraham Lincoln and General Sherman, gave Black Americans all the land, starting from Charleston, South Carolina, to 30 miles inland, all the way down to Jacksonville, Florida, to 30 miles inland. So pretty much most of South Carolina, most of Georgia, and all of Northern Florida was going to be like our own Black American country. I have land in my family from special field order 15. It's heirs property, so I don't get any benefit from it, but I have land from that. So for us Gullah Geechee people, special field order 15, which today is the Gullah Geechee corridor, those are the areas where you find the Gullah Geechee, is very, very special. But I wanna be clear, it's not a black immigrant issue. I'm not concerned about other people of color when it comes to reparations. This is something for black Americans, the sin of American slaves. And let me tell you again, these other groups, when they are asking for things to be done for them, they don't ask about us at all. We don't even cross their mind. Only time they think about us when they want to get us out their way. We got to learn to be a little selfish too. But that being said, reparations, there's some misconceptions about it out there. And I think I need to clarify them. Well, well one, people think that reparations are going to come from white people. No, because even though it may have been white people of the past who were in charge of the government doing extremely disgusting racist things to black people, chattel slavery, lynch mobs, all those disgusting things that I mentioned, it was the federal government that had the responsibility to protect us. The federal government allowed all the atrocities that was done to us, starting with chattel slavery, but going all the way to the 1970s with redlining and Jim Crow. Because remember, our state, like South Carolina, as you could imagine, didn't drop Jim Crow and redlining until the 1970s. The federal government had the responsibility to uphold everyone's constitutional rights. And even though I know some people out there think the Constitution was pro-slavery, it absolutely was not. It doesn't even mention the word slavery. It doesn't even mention the word race. It doesn't mention any race. It just simply says that all people have a right to their liberty, the pursuit of happiness. All of us will be protected under the Constitution. It's been debated. But even if the Constitution was pro-slavery, the Japanese Americans 
when they were put into those internment camps or Native Americans, when they had their land stolen, all of those things were legal too. And they still got reparations for it. So even if the constitution did allow chattel slavery, it didn't allow all the other stuff to happen. The Jim Crow, the redlining, the lynch malls, the burning down of our cities, the theft of our land. Those things happen to us. A study has another myth I want to say is that reparations is going to bankrupt the country. Wrong. The United States of America, like many nations, is a monetary sovereign. That means it can never not pay its bills. If you do any research on this, it will show that. The United States of America can never not pay its bills. The fiat system is really just numbers on a computer. That's all it is. Now, state governments need tax money to run. The federal government does not need taxes. The federal government can create as much money as it needs for any given situation. We see that all the time. During the Great Recession, when they bailed out the auto industry, from where did that money come? When they invaded Afghanistan and Iraq, and they were spending as much as $20 billion a month, where was all that money coming from? When they sent out stimulus checks to over 300 million Americans, from where did that money come? When they bailed out the airline industry, when they spent trillions of dollars to make these vaccines, to do commercials for these vaccines, to help send out the equipment for the vaccines, from where did that money come? During that time, they also doubled unemployment. It went from $300 a week to $600 a week. They spent trillions of dollars in PPP loans that businesses get and most won't have to pay back. That is quadrillion of dollars they spent. At that time, Donald Trump had actually cut taxes. He cut taxes to the lowest rate ever. So if we need taxes to get the money, then how come we were able to spend an historic amount of money while Donald Trump had cut taxes to his lowest level ever. And we're sending trillions of dollars right now to Ukraine. It's because they know it's a lie that they try to tell people that we need to raise taxes to get the federal government money. That is a lie. The federal government can create as much money as it needs. Now, the federal government does collect taxes, but it doesn't need it. So when it does collect taxes, it can go towards supplemental programs. It can be a supplement. But when it doesn't collect as many taxes as it spends in government money, they do what's called bonds. They're yellow dollars. They're about this color. And people have probably seen them and don't recognize it. And what happens is banks buy these yellow dollars. Credit unions buy these yellow dollars. Investment firms buy these yellow dollars. Even people buy these yellow dollars. And the government pays them interest on these yellow dollars. So as long as you have those yellow dollars, the federal government will always pay you. But anytime it wants, the federal government can take those yellow dollars from you and give you the green dollars with which we are more familiar. So America can never go bankrupt, not the federal government. So try that, that line working here, try it again. Third, reparations is not for all black people. It's only for those of us who had our descendants of American slaves. It was our ancestors on those plantations. It was our ancestors who were supposed to get the 40 acres of the mule, instead got treated with absolute horrible violence. It is not for a black person who moves here from Jamaica or Nigeria. You don't get off the plane and say, hey, America owes me reparation. No, they don't. They ain't do nothing to you. 
And if you felt they did something to you, you take that up with your country and with America. But this is what America owes us, the people who built their nation. So that, those are some myths and lies I want to clarify about reparations. Well, as you see, Think Fam, the passion's there, the know-how is there, the knowledge is there. If you win this, when you win, right, um, <laughs> this position, right, they'll be finding dandy. But if you don't win, will this passion and drive still be there? Oh, definitely. I've been going like this for three years strong. My passion, look, I'm not, look, I know this is going to sound strange to people. I'm not running to win, okay? I'm running to make a difference, okay? I'm not running for a seat. I'm running for justice for my people. Justice is not something that is guaranteed with me winning a seat, okay? There are many of our people. Look at some of our ancestors, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, James Baldwin, Fannie Lou Hamer, Ella Baker, Septima Poinsett Clark. None of those people held office, and yet they made big, big, big differences in the lives of our people. So I don't have to be in the government to make a difference. But being in the government, I will do something that Clyburn has not done. Look how much land we've lost. Yet what did Congressman Clyburn do? He wrote a bill for Native Americans, the Catawba Native Americans up there. Most of them live in North Carolina. They don't even live in South Carolina. And the ones that do live in South Carolina, they don't even live in his district. He wrote a bill for them to get 20 acres of land. Now, you know the Gullah Geechee people. You know how much land we've had stolen from us. Hilton Island was once majority black. Now it's 90% white. From 90% black, 90% white. The Fusky Island, once 95% black. Now it's 95% white. They're trying to do, they're doing the same thing with Bluffton right now. He sat back and watched that happen. But he writes a bill, forgive Catawba Native Americans land. And what makes that even more disgusting, Michael, is the Catawba Native Americans were enslavers. They were just like the white enslavers, but they were actually worse. Because not only were they enslavers, they were slave catchers. And they were brutal to the point where if one of our unfortunate ancestors were captured by them, they were begged to go back to the white enslaver. And he looks out for them. He's right now trying to give illegal immigrants citizenship. It has been shown by conservatives and by liberals that immigration, illegal and legal as well, hurts black Americans, especially black American men. One study shows that the more immigrants in the community, the higher the black unemployment rate, because obviously you only got for so many jobs. The higher our homelessness rate, because obviously you only have for so many houses, the higher our incarceration rates and the lower our wages. Yet he is pushing for illegal immigrants to get citizenship. When have we as black Americans been treated like full citizens? When police officers can kick open Breonna Taylor's door and shoot and kill her in her own apartment when she was doing nothing wrong and get away with it? When is he gonna make, when are we gonna be full citizens? So you see where his loyalty lies. And anyone who votes for him, after we continue to get killed and massacred and nothing happens, we will deserve it because we have an opportunity to make a difference. You can make excuses for this man or you can make a difference with me. Wow, 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 wow. June 14th is almost here. Primary it actually starts May 31st. Now, South Carolina just approves early voting. This is the first time South Carolina has ever done this. And of course, they will do it now. So May 31st, voting starts and it lasts until June 14th. So one more time for the Think Fam, why you for this 
particular office? Because I'm going to do what has not been done. First of all, reparations. And no, I'm not backing down from that. And if you don't believe it's going to happen, then you are a coward and you are an embarrassment to our ancestors. Our ancestors were told that slavery would never end. And it did. Our ancestors was told that Jim Crow would never fall. And even though we're still going through the issues it's caused, on paper, Jim Crow is gone. If you are now going to tell me, my ancestors, great-great-grandchild, grandson, that we are never going to need reparations, you are a coward. You are an insult to our ancestors. If you are just going to give your vote away because you like someone, but they're not doing nothing specifically for you. Our ancestors didn't die for just to give our vote away. Our ancestors died for us to vote wisely so we can get the rights that we are still owed and the debt we're still owed and have them protected. That's an embarrassment to our ancestors. I have a plan beyond reparations too, however. My transportation plan will deal with how many of us don't have vehicles and we live in the woods and we can't get to a doctor's office, can't get to a grocery store, because some of us live in food deserts where you can drive for 10 miles in places like Pineland and Tarboro and Sand Hill and not even pass a gas station. People need cars to get to their parent-teacher conference, to get to a well-paying job. My plan is going to deal with the corridor shame and our failing schools, where if you go to school in Bluffton, South Carolina, the property taxes there are much higher than the property taxes in Ridgeland, South Carolina. It should not be this system of inequity. I plan to write a legislation where every school is going to get equitable funding. If some schools get more because they can afford it, great. But no school is going to be without. I plan to have Black Americans get compensation for the land we have lost and bring us back to black farming. Bring us back to the days where we used to live around each other and we knew each other and we had each other's back. I plan to have us have our own police and judicial force. These things are possible. We just haven't had any leaders stand up to do them. So if you're sitting there saying ain't never going to happen, you are a coward. And I really don't care what age you are. You are an embarrassment to our ancestors who were told time and time again what they could not do and what was not going to happen. And they said to America, watch me. And it did happen. I am like them. I'm not sure who you're like if you say it's not going to happen. Wow, wow, wow. How can we find you on social media and how can we even donate to the cause? Well, thank you. My website is marcelforcongress.com slash donate. And you can go to my website and explore my platform. You can read my story. I'm not one of those people telling you, you got to vote for me because your ancestor died. We need to stop trying to guilt Black people. Stop trying to make Black people feel guilty for voting. Give them a reason to vote. If you were giving them a reason to vote, you wouldn't have to bring up our ancestors. Our ancestors didn't die so they can vote. They were killed trying to vote. Okay? That's what happened to them. And we're still being killed. Ain't no one done to protect them, but they protected Asians. So marcelforcongress.com slash donate. I'm on social media. I'm very active on Twitter. You can always find me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter is Marcel, the number four Congress, Marcel for Congress. That's my Instagram as well. I'm on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Marcel for F-O-R Congress. And I'm also on TikTok, you know, even though I, I think the, I don't do the little kids all the time, but I'm trying. Marcel Dixon for Congress.com. My full name is Greg Marcel Dixon, and that is what will be on the ballot. But y'all, 
we cannot keep fighting the same battles that we have been fighting. My great-grandmother died seeing us fight the same battle she fought growing up in Beaufort, South Carolina in the early 1900s. Enough! My God. My God. And enough is enough. When you get exactly. sick, listen, it's time. It is definitely time. Y'all, he is a candidate for the U.S. House South Carolina 6th Congressional District. He is Marcel Dixon. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. You take care. You too. Think fam, don't you dare go away. Back in a moment. <laughs> What's up? It's actress and singer Christine Horn, and you are watching The Michael Finkley Show. Boom. Keeping your skin flawless and clean is important, and I have the products just for you. Welcome to Mimi's Natural Pantry, where she specializes in homemade handcrafts, including rye and goat milk soaps, body butters, and sugar scrubs. All items are handmade products. All items have simple ingredients and are vegan friendly. In a world where you can barely pronounce many of the ingredients in your everyday products, Mimi's Back to Nature offers an alternative choice for those who are ready to get back into nature. Ready to order? Visit their website at mimisnaturalpantry.com. All orders over $50 have free shipping up to 25 pounds. everybody, welcome back to the Michael Finkley Show. I hope that you learned something from my guest today. It was really, really informative. You can see the passion that he speaks with. He is serious about this race and what he is doing. So we wish you, Marcel, all the best in what you do. Thank you so much for running and thank you for standing in the stance you are in now. Thank you so much. South Carolina, early voting starts right now. Right now, right now, right now, okay? And then um, until June 14th. So South Carolina, get up, let's go vote, okay? Let's go. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Michael Finkley Show, ring the bell for notification. We'll send an email saying, hey, new content's uploaded. Please listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for more information about what we do here on the show, visit our website, michaelfinkleyshow.com. Of course, U42, visit us at U42.com and watch our content there. Y'all, we are now officially on the Raspy 2K Network, so check us out as well with some exclusive things coming your way. Thank you so much for watching, and guess what? More summer shows to come. Thank you so much for watching, and guess what? Have a good one.